0: You're listening to the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with L.D. and T.J. Can you dig that, baby?
1: (laughs) Hey, guys. Welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I'm your host, L.D., and usually by my side is T.J., but this week has kind of been crazy for us. And so she's working on her show, I'm working on my show, and so we're in crunch time, so unfortunately we couldn't do a full episode, and as you guys all know, Tracy has kind of been fighting something for the last couple of weeks, and it finally came to fruition, and so she is at home relaxing, and so we decided that we couldn't do a full proper episode without TJ, but... By my side today is someone very special to me. It's Mr. William Hickey. Hello. <laughs> this is my husband. Everybody. Hey, how you doing? My husband. All my listeners. Hello, listeners. <laughs> so he's going to be I happen helping.
2: Me. To be one of those listeners. Yes, you do. It's a very meta
1: experience, and that's why we're still married. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he's my husband, and he's going to be my sounding board for today because, you know, TJ isn't here. And I didn't want to sound like a crazy person sitting in an empty studio screaming into a microphone. So he's just kind of here to keep me company today and interject occasionally.
2: Well, to be fair, I don't think you'd be alone. I'm sure the cats would provide excellent company if, for some reason, I couldn't stand in for Tracy. But uh, we wish her well and hope she has a swift recovery and is back soon.
1: Yep. We'll be back uh, next week with an episode that is a Patreon episode about Roy Clark. Ooh. So, yeah. All right. So, today we are actually going to be covering sort of a death. This is more akin to one of our short sets, but we found out this week that there is a tragic passing in the music world, and it's not a person. It is a venue. mm and that venue is the Viper Room. Can't believe it's going away. That's insane. It's so it's so iconic. It's it's the Viper Room. It's the Rainbow Room. It, you know the Whiskey A Go Go. That that little area is so music centric that I just I can't believe that that there's a possibility that's going to be demolished.
2: And I I won't claim to be a soothsayer of any kind here, but I did hear whisperings of this because of the field I'm in. I actually met a number of people who were employees and former employees that had said that uh, this demise was evident, shall we say. Really? Yeah. What Do tell. Uh, Because of my job, I interview a lot of people in the food and beverage industry, and I've seen a number of them now that I'm retroactively putting the pieces together that had been looking for other work or had somehow knowledge that unfortunately this club was coming to a close and uh it is unfortunate that that's happening so
1: yeah so right now it's you know that's information that you could have told me earlier
2: (laughs) i didn't think it was relevant and uh
1: Well, it it is relevant, and so what I wanted to give you guys today was kind of just a rundown of the history of the club, some of the events that happened, some of the people that have attended, and a little bit of its history, because we know in cases like this, chances are that it's actually probably going to close its doors. Yeah, I mean, the writing is on the proverbial wall, and when someone like this big corporation comes and moves in, typically it means that it's probably going to get torn down and there's not a lot that the community can do about it. And I don't think that it actually can sit on the national registry as a historic landmark, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So, so we're going to just jump in Uh, a couple things. My research came from a couple spots. One was a vanity fair article. One was Wikipedia and one was an article from a website called seeing stars So hopefully this is—it's not as, you know, usually well-researched as some of our episodes are, but hopefully this will give you kind of an idea of the vibe that The Viper Room has and hopefully, fingers crossed, will still have. This is actually going to come from an article that I read. The Viper Room, the rock club, once partially owned by Johnny Depp, could be Hollywood history if a new buyer decides to develop the property. The club and several adjacent buildings along the Sunset Strip, totaling 38,000 square feet, have been sold for $8 million to a buyer simply known as 8850 Sunset. I find that really suspect. Oh, that's ominous. Yeah. yeah. There are no current plans to demolish the existing storefronts, but they already have pictures of what they would put in there. And it's, it's a monstrosity.
2: And it doesn't say Viper Room on it, I'm guessing.
1: (laughs) No, it doesn't. Mm. But the new buildings in the area are typically five to ten stories high. And my friend Jane actually pointed out that it used to be called the Sunset Strip for the specific reason that you could actually see the sunset from the strip. And the street is called Sunset. (laughs) And now they're building up so much that you can't see the sunset anymore. It's just dark. (laughs) This this honestly, like I was telling you earlier, honey, it's like the um plot to Rock of Ages. Oh, that's right, I, you I, I mentioned re- that. I really just want to protest this closing down of you know, the great club due to fascism. If only we had Alec Baldwin and a monkey, we could fix this whole thing. I can get us Alec Baldwin, but it's just the monkey that we might get. Sounds to like respond. we got some homework to do. All got right.
2: it. Hmm. To do list, item <laughs> one.
1: Jim Cooper of R.E.M. Finance, a rep for the buyer, told the Los Angeles Journal there's not a development plan in place, which is weird because you already have pictures of what would go in that place. They're looking to see what the highest and best use would be, Cooper said. The Viper Room, a legendary Los Angeles rock club, has been sold and could be closing its doors for good. The club, which is located on the Sunset Strip, was once owned by Johnny Depp. And it was where River Phoenix died in 1993. And that's going to come up a couple times in this. According to the LA Business Journal, the 250 capacity venue sold along with three other properties on the Sunset Strip in a real estate deal worth $80 million. Which is so much money for, and I get that that's like, A, it's Hollywood property. B, it's a huge spot. But $80 million is so much. And
2: There's a lot of building going on in that area. There it, is a lot. Cranes yeah. everywhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, call me sentimental, but I hate it. I hate it. And these, these people come in and they either build like a parking structure, a luxury apartment building or something that's completely useless. I mean, yeah.
2: at what point are they changing the character of the city? That, that's my question. I know that's not anything that can be debated from a financial standpoint, perhaps from a historical standpoint. And you know how I feel about historical societies. I'm very afraid of them. That's another... That's probably fodder for another podcast altogether. You're scared of the historical
1: so, societies and canopy beds. Yes. It's... And and, I, and
2: you should be too. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I, I'm wondering at some point where, like you said, the concept of what Sunset Boulevard is and was is just going to get washed away. Very, very similar to what happened to Las Vegas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm Well, you know, places like Burbank call me old, but I love Burbank. And Burbank passed an ordinance now that unless you got in your plans for construction before a certain date, they're no longer allowing any buildings to be above six stories, I believe. I think it's six stories. And I think that preserves that like little pocket that Burbank is. And I think we should look at that at at other points in our city as well because we are losing that old Hollywood feel and and it, it's a real bummer.
2: When the dollars are high enough, those morals get very, very watery, shall we say.
1: Yeah. So it's been reported that the Viper Room could be demolished and replaced with a luxury apartment or hotel. Oh, Ugh. Gosh. The club... Was partly owned by Johnny Depp until 2004, when he turned control over to Amanda Fox, the daughter of his missing business partner, Anthony Fox. Missing? I think we get into it a little bit. Okay. Later, I don't. I didn't look too deeply into it because I feel like I'm already like doing this podcast. I feel like I'm already on a couple watch lists. Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, Three years earlier, he had a falling out with Anthony Fox, who sued the actor but disappeared before a jury in the case where a verdict could be delivered. Fox's vehicle was later found by the police, but he never was.
2: Oh, that's not suspicious in the slightest.
1: No. The Viper Room's last owner was Harry Morton, the son of Hard Rock Cafe founder Peter Morton, who bought it back in 2008 and planned on opening similar clubs in Las Vegas, Miami, Portland, Seattle, London, New York, and Tokyo. Does that sound like a similar business pattern to the Hard Rock Cafe?
2: It, I mean, all but and you know their status right now is
1: iffy. I would say, yeah, I mean, it's still there's one at City Walk.
2: There is, yeah, I heard the business there is sliding too as well. So is it? that's the word on the street. I realize I don't talk much about what I do. <laughs> maybe maybe this is going to be better material for the podcast.
1: Yeah, to do <laughs> list
2: item two: well, monkey and talk about work yeah
1: well back in the 90s like that's when you had the hard rock cafe and the the model cafe I forget what that one was called but you had all these like kitschy theme restaurants that were owned by celebrities
2: mm, yeah
3: and
1: hard rock I feel like is the only one that kind of hung oh planet Hollywood planet that was the Hollywood. other one but even they started
2: yeah. going away right
1: I don't I don't think that they're I think there's a Planet Hollywood store down on the, but the Sunset Strip. the restaurants, I but think, I are on
2: th- life support
1: at best, if they're even it, still around. I don't even know if they're still around. The Viper Room is a nightclub located on the Sunset Strip in West Hollywood, California, United States. It opened up in 1993 and was, like we said, partially owned by Johnny Depp. The other part was uh, Sal Janko, who starred in 21 Jump Street with Depp. And remember, kids, 21 Jump Street was a TV show before it was a movie starring Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. It was a good movie. I loved that movie. I liked it. I thought it was great. But, of course, like, that's where I kind of fell in love with Johnny Depp. So. Uh, the club became known for being a hangout of Hollywood elite and was the site where, of course, again, River Phoenix died of a drug overdose on Halloween. We covered that in the River Phoenix episode. If you haven't heard that yet, give it a listen. <laughs> in early 1995, Australian singer Jason Duval suffered a drug-induced seizure at the club, but he survived. The Viper Room has undergone several changes in ownership and continues to host music from multiple genres, including metal, punk, rock, and alternative rock. While predominantly known as a music venue, the Viper Room also hosts a lower level below, which is it's got a stage and audience a, uh, area, and it's home to a very large whiskey bar. Well,
2: oh, that's that that's all good stuff.
1: I'm, I see no problem I, with any of this.
2: There's no problem yet. This is a sound business model.
1: Yes, booze and music—they're friends get them together. So here's a little bit of history. Now, it's not going to be a straightforward timeline. I'm just going to kind of bounce back and forth between timelines because it's just kind of stuff that was interesting to me. So before it was the Viper, the building had a checkered past. You're going to love this stuff because it actually...
2: You had me a checkered past, so <laughs> I'm a captive audience at this point. Literally, I'm <laughs> captive. Sendel.
1: So it did have a checkered past. In fact, it was once the Melody Room, known as a gangster hangout, where Bugsy Siegel and Mickey Cohen would get together and watch live jazz. So Excellent. Yeah. It was also known as the Central, but the spot really locked its LA cultural significance in the 70s when it was, (laughs) I love this name, Filthy (laughs) McNasty's.
2: That's, there are so many marketing opportunities there. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start.
1: It was a divey strip trendsetter that was featured on the album cover for the band Sweet. And it was a regular hangout for Tom Waits and Evil Knievel. God.
2: Oh, to, to be anything in the, on a wall at that point. I would oh, I just know. kill
1: for that. Like Tom Waits and Evil Knievel. Just- what would they talk about? I feel like they
2: would have absolutely nothing in common.
1: Or they would be best friends. Yeah, it's
2: one of those things, kind of the odd couple.
1: <laughs> so wait, does that make me Evil Knievel and you're Tom Waits? Doug, uh, sure.
2: That's fine with me. I'll go with it. Yeah, I think I have a memorable voice. And did you dress
1: as Evil Knievel? I did. See, so it would be all the more appropriate. Actually, I was on uh, Deal or No Deal, dressed as Evil Knievel. That's right. <laughs> uh, in, the 60s, sorry, in the 70s and 80s, the location operated as a club called The Central, which closed... To shut down before Chucky Weiss, who had performed there for three years, suggested to Depp that they revitalize the spot and rename it The Viper Room. Tom Waits also had a hand in redeveloping the spot.
2: like a dude.
1: This is like the most Hollywood thing that I've ever talked about, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a way to make it more Hollywood. It's like Errol Flynn went there. Just wait. The first band to ever perform there. Can you take a guess? First, what decade is this? This is 1993. Oh goodness! <sighs> what was the very first band? But Motley Crue. It's this is the closest okay. that that anyone has ever felt like a ghost. The Jonas Brothers. Th- not the. They weren't even born yet. Got it. <sighs> Too early for Jonas. Too early for Jonas. But like that, someone said that the the most the close the closest you'll ever feel to being a ghost is when someone either mispronounces something on a podcast or. A host asks a question, and they know the answer, and they're just screaming it. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is going like, to be amazing. Yes. So do you give up? Uh,
2: I don't even know where to start this one. There's so many options. I you. Just...
1: There are actually clues in the date. 1993? Yeah. I wouldn't be sublime, would it? No. 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 All right. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Okay. The first band to ever perform there was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Ooh. It was August 14th, 1993, and the timing makes sense since right around there, co-owner Johnny Depp appeared in the band's Into the Great Wide Open video. And my parents' anniversary at that. <laughs> That's See? right. Happy
2: anniversary, Mom and Dad. That's got you Johnny we- Depp and Tom Buddy and the Heartbreakers. That
1: was uh, the, day before, the day after we got married. Yes. Yeah.
2: Close to our anniversary.
1: Yeah. So the club became an instant A-list magnet with constant appearances by music, legends, and the Hollywood elite. Every tour down the strip will point out the club's most notorious moment, which was the death of River Phoenix, which I think this is like the third time that this has come up, but he went into convulsions on the sidewalk in front of the club early Halloween morning, 1993, during a performance of Johnny Depp's band, and those who remember the episode remember, like, Flea was there, and his sister was there, and current girlfriend, the girl his girlfriend at the time, Samantha Mathis, was there, so... It was a pretty big thing, and and fans still come to this day on the anniversary of his death, and when Depp owned the club, they actually would close it down that night in honor of River. Nice. Here's something you might not know. The Pussycat Dolls actually got their start there. Did not know that. The article that I read, so this is not my words, this is the article's words. They're best known as a washed-up pop group now. Again, not my words. This is from the article. I actually really like the Pussycat yeah, Dolls. This is the
2: internet talking.
1: Yes. But for a while in the late 90s, they were the best-known burlesque group in Los Angeles thanks to their Viper Room residency. So they actually had a residency. I think it was Friday nights that they would come out and perform. So, okay. Yeah. Here's something else that's kind of interesting. Slipknot's Corey Taylor was thrown in jail after he purposely slammed a Viper Room window. So when Slipknot was recording Iowa in Los Angeles, the band spent a night on the Sunset Strip where they had an unfortunate run-in with the cops. And after getting booted from the Rainbow Bar and grill for throwing shot glasses at people.
2: They got kicked out of the Rainbow?
1: Yeah, but I think That's if you impressive. I think if you throw shot glasses at people, you you need to get kicked out. That down. is frowned upon in most establishments. <laughs> the frontman Corey Taylor took his drunken debauchery across the street to the Viper Room, and people, maybe if you if you're listening from anywhere other than Los Angeles, like, literally, there's this small area in Hollywood that is kind of like the the heartbeat of the Sunset Strip. And that's the Viper Room, the Whiskey Go-Go, and the Rainbow Room. the Rainbow Room. Room, yeah. And so those were the big three. If you go down, I think, one or two blocks, you'll hit the Troubadour, and that closed.
2: I thought Troubadour was much further down, but I could be wrong about that.
1: Yeah, but it's all pretty darn close. And then we used to have the House of Blues, but of course... That's gone now as well. So, but the saddle ranch is
2: still there, folks.
1: I can ride the bull.
2: You can if you want. I Woo-hoo!
1: Uh... actually, I don't know if the bull works there. I've only been the, to the saddle ranch once. At that location. I've been to the City Walk Saddle Ranch more. That's like a check it off the list kind of thing.
2: I don't think anyone who's lived here more than a year will say, let's go to the Saddle Ranch on Sunset Boulevard. (laughs) It's, It's just
1: not done. And it's not because we don't like it. It's that if you don't live in Los Angeles, you don't know how bad parking is you don't go to that part of town you just you don't really go to don't. that part of town the the parking there is madness there's no street parking and every lot is at least ten dollars and that gets bumped up to like 20 on saturday well, well the
2: thing is around 4 30 if the sun is setting you know you see the guy come out with the little flag that says five dollars and he comes out 10 minutes later seven dollars and the numbers <laughs> just get outrageous as the night goes on
1: yeah okay uh so he Getting back to Corey, he was kicked out of the Rainbow Room for throwing shot glasses at people's heads. And the artist was admittedly hammered when his friends dared him to kick his foot through a glass window of the famed L.A. club. Though he was wearing shorts, he took the dare and the window shattered. A cop was actually sitting nearby at a red light, witnessed the whole thing. And he later told Spin Magazine that, I kicked the plate glass window wearing shorts. It shatters and I turn around and there's a cop. Sitting right there at the red light. I didn't even try to run. I just walked over and put my hands on the hood. They were very cool about it. They very politely handcuffed me and sat me on the curb right outside the Viper Room. And people are now coming outside to laugh at me. And I start spitting on them and cursing them. And the cops throw me in the back of the car. And I just passed out in the back seat. (laughs) Wow. That is such a great Hollywood story. Taylor had to pay $500 in damage to the Viper Room's owner to avoid having charges pressed against him. And here's... This is something that I had no knowledge of. The Viper Room was actually part of an illegal 100 million high stakes poker ring for Hollywood celebrities like Ben Affleck and Leonardo DiCaprio. Interesting, because
2: DiCaprio owns a place down on I want to say Melrose or 3rd at the time. At the time, I mean he could have changed hands since then, but
1: but in the early 90s and early aughts, the Viper Room was a harbinger of illegal activity, extending from drug abuse to high-stakes gambling. The famous Los Angeles nightclub was the site of one of Hollywood's highest rolling poker games of all time with a $50,000 buy-in, and it was, that, that, that price was considered modest. People could buy in at even more, but $50,000 was like the minimum, All I can picture now
2: is sort of a modern-day adaptation of Guys and Dolls with all of these people playing illicit games at the Viper Room. I think this could take legs if we get the right people behind it. Yeah. Although the movie musical is very hit or miss. I think, again, if we put the right minds together
1: here, we could come up with something. I don't know. Can Leonardo DiCaprio sing? I I have no idea. (laughs) I'd give him a shot at it. Why not? Yeah. Molly Bloom was a waitress turned poker princess, outlined in the high stakes game during an interview on 2020. According to Bloom, she regularly hosted illegal poker games featuring some of the biggest stars, including DiCaprio, Affleck, Toby Maguire, who allegedly made her bark like a seal who wants a fish in order to get a tip.
2: I can never watch the Cider House Rules ever again without that in my head.
1: Other celebrity includes New York Yankee, Alexander A-Rod Rodriguez. Oh, shocked there. Yeah. Matt Damon, which doesn't shock me, and the Olsen <gasps> twins, who bought a billionaire along with them. And I think one of them actually ended up marrying the billionaire. They brought a
2: billionaire with them? Yeah. Like it was a theme night? I mean, how do you... <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like a dinner for schmucks, but bring a billionaire. I, I just,
2: again, I am picturing this modern adaptation with, with all of this going on. I think it's a... <laughs> Could be very telling.
1: Throughout her years hosting the game, players both losses and won in the the six-figure range, where she was pulling in a reported $4 million a year in income by 2008. God, Good for her. Gravy. Good for her. All
2: tax-free, too. Yeah. So what have we learned, ladies and gentlemen?
1: Uh, that crime does pay...
2: But only if you're in a celebrity-owned club running an illicit gambling ring. So that's what you need to take away from this.
1: Well, I guess article three. <laughs> do,
2: do, do, do. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> item three to the list: <laughs> find celebrity club.
1: Out of every celeb who sat at her table, Bloom admitted that Toby, Toby Maguire was actually the sorest loser, but one of her most frequent customers. She estimated that he pulled in a million dollars and used DiCaprio to attract even bigger players. When Bloom started taking a percentage from every pot, it launched her into the territory of organized crime. That's when things started spiraling out of control. Mobsters assaulted Bloom after she refused to cut in on her business, which tells you that they're still mobsters.
2: Well, there's actually a very interesting story, and you mentioned his name earlier, Mickey Cohen, about his sort of rise and fall in Los Angeles. It was supposed to be a really good book, and I forget the name of it. I'll have to find some internet source here. Um, I want to say it's called LA Noir, I think. But it's the rise of Mickey Cohen in that sort of gangster era. So if you look at the through line of crime through this place, it, it's a, in a way not surprising. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's LA Noir. I'm going to have to verify that source.
1: I'll put it in the show notes once yeah. you look it up. So. And I can
2: go find it and post on social media.
1: Yay. Which uh, we
2: have our, our feeds over here, don't we? Hmm? Should we let people know how they can no. track this stuff?
1: Oh, okay. It's, no. I'm sorry. I. I'm sorry guys. He, I'm bucking the system. I he, apologize. He's new. It's okay. Mobsters assaulted. Mobsters assaulted Bloom after she refused to cut them in on her business and the FBI was hot on her trail. Eventually, the FBI raided one of her games and froze all of her assets. Bloom pleaded guilty to illegal gambling and received 12 months probation. What year was this again? 2008. So it's fairly recent. Fairly I mean, this recent. is not, yeah, that far back. Yeah. But also Like, she ran an illicit gambling ring and got 12 months probation. Yeah, that's... Just speculating here, but maybe she gave over some information. Those assets weren't all that frozen, perhaps? Maybe. Kept a little lukewarm? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. In the year 2000, Anthony Fox sued Depp for fraud and mismanagement of funds. Fox disappeared in 2001 before the suit was settled. We talked about that before. As a part of the eventual legal settlement in 2004, Depp signed his shares of the club over to Fox's daughter, Amanda, who sold it to Darren Feinstein, Bevan Cooey, and Blackhawk Capital Partners, Inc. During those years of legal conflict and transition, Depp had moved to France, and the celebrity polish had kind of worn off of the club. 2008, Harry Morton, the owner of Pink Taco, son of Hard Rock Cafe co-owner Pete Morton, bought the club. I didn't know they had that connection. He owns Pink Taco, yeah. Yeah. I
2: did not know that.
1: Which is also a very dirty name.
2: Yes, if you're... Yes, yes, yes it is. (laughs) I, I will not go any further because I know this is a family show.
1: So Harry Morton actually bought the club with the goal of restoring it to its previous glory. And in 2015, the club underwent extensive renovations. So this is actually more about kind of the music scene. Despite its late addition to the strip's music roster The Viper Room had an impressive resume Of big performances on its stage And you're going to love this From Bruce Springsteen stopped by to play a set in 1995
3: To Johnny
1: Depp himself Introducing a solo set by Johnny Cash Wow The Viper Room has had plenty of historical moments In music Bands who have played there include Matchbox 20, Oasis, Green Day Billy Idol, Sheryl Crow Colt, The Knack Red Hot Chili Peppers, Everclear, Run DMC, Deus, The Black Crows, Iggy Pop, and Lenny Kravitz, among many others. They should just call it the 90s played there. That's pretty (laughs) much how it shook out. Well, I don't even know if I have it in my notes. I possibly do. But did you know that Adam Durst? Adam Duritz. Duritz. Okay,
2: Duritz. Okay.
1: From The Counting Crows Mm. was a bartender there. Really? Yeah. I
2: did not know that.
1: Huh. Yeah. And he did it after the band hit.
2: Extra income? Yeah, I don't
1: know. Side hustle? Good for you, Adam. (laughs) Keep him grounded? I don't know. I mean, I think that would be awesome. The late 1990s saw a secret concert by the Go-Go's and reunited Stone Temple Pilots. (gasps) But the days of the big names dropping by to play unannounced sets are much fewer and far between these days, which is really sad. And you know Stone Temple
2: Pilots is one of my favorites and and one that... uh... I would be looking forward to on this show the story of yeah. that band and the unfortunate uh, passing of Scott Weiland.
1: Yeah, if people actually like you, maybe we'll bring you back.
2: Well, let's one step at a time here.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, oh, and I didn't. I remember a concert that I saw, which is funny because it, it happened just before I had met you. I actually went to go see a band play there called Zero One, and their front man is Hal Sparks.
2: Yeah. So, I remember that. Yes, I saw one band there too. They were called Czar,
1: like Z. Yeah. Okay. Like like so, a czar, like so, Russia. Yeah. So at least they spelled it right.
2: Yes, they spelled it correctly. And uh, I don't know if you're listening, but Steve, what's up? Like the show <laughs> it was a number of years ago, but uh, just letting you know that.
1: Yeah, zero one was awesome. Yeah, they had good and music. Like,
2: they did a good music.
1: It it is the thing about the the Viper Room is you'd think it would be much bigger, but it's actually a very small space. It's actually kind of a little bit claustrophobic, and it only holds 250 people. Like, that's their capacity. Is I, 250.
2: I, I sincerely doubt they kept to that, though. With some of these even. bands that played, like the ones you mentioned, there's no way they were kicking people out once they hit that. I'm sure there were nights that they were well over. Probably. But, again, you have to tell them it's speculation. It, yeah, I have no hard evidence to support this. <laughs> this is just me pontificating.
1: So today you're more likely to find an up-and-coming local band or touring band or a 1980s cover band with a big following or a random burlesque show on the main stage. Yeah. It has win win It hasn't actually quite lived up to Morton's vision of regaining the A-list status, but many of the bands bring in a respectable following for a fun night of live music. Avril Labine played the Viper Room in 2002 when she first started out. She chose the Viper Room for a livestream acoustic concert to introduce her fashion line, Abby Dawn, on March 13, 2012. So there you go. That's two pieces of information you didn't know. I'm learning a lot tonight, and I'm sure you are too. <laughs> the Viper Room. So this is a, another article that I kind of picked and chose from. So it sounds like we're starting over, but we're not really. Basically, it's again, it's saying River Phoenix died here. <laughs> so when River Phoenix passed away, the Viper Room kind of being inextricably linked with that became kind of a hot spot specifically because of that, young actor's death made headlines when he collapsed on the sidewalk outside of the purple awning of the Sunset Strip nightclub, and that was in 1993. So less than four months after River Phoenix passed away, another incident at the Viper Room made the Gossip Columns when star Nicole Eggert, who played Summer on Baywatch, and she also played Jamie on Charles in Charge. Yes. She was the... Me
2: and every other guy my age remembers that show, and specifically (laughs) Nicole Eggert. And if you say you don't, you're lying to me, (laughs) yourself, and the listeners. Good luck sleeping tonight.
1: (laughs) And for those who don't know, she was one of the eight blondes on Baywatch that ran in slow motion.
2: There were quite a few of
1: them, yes. There were a lot.
2: Charles in charge <laughs> of day.
1: So she actually got into a nasty fight there with another girl over a mutual boyfriend. So I couldn't actually find any more information out, but like mutual boyfriend sounds a little weird to me. I wish
2: I had like one of those organs that they would play, you know,
1: like when something like that. Oh, pizza. like the surprise hedge. What is it? The surprised... Yes, yeah, surprise product. gerbil or, dun, dun, or, or dun. gopher or yeah. <laughs> some marmot of sorts. On October first, nineteen ninety six, a paparazzo in the club snapped a photo of Rolling Stones Mick Jagger embracing actress Uma Thurman.
2: I would like to point out that the Viper Room has somehow coincided all of these big dates with important dates in my family. As you pointed out, the first concert was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers on August 14th, my parents' anniversary. Mm -hmm. The event you just described took place on October 1st, my sister's birthday. Oh, yeah. And co-owner of the Viper Room, Johnny Depp, shares my birthday June the 9th.
1: Oh, interesting. All I'm saying is
2: whatever evidence this is, is really piling up. What are we going to do with this information? Make another episode.
1: (laughs) It's all about Will.
2: I'm just here for the laughs. (laughs)
1: So they, they, they took a picture of Mick Jagger embracing Uma Thurman. And the photographer alleges that Mick's bodyguard wrestled him to the ground. And club employees confiscated the valuable film and handed it to a member of the Stones entourage who destroyed the film. Which
2: Interesting.
1: We are actually going to have a short set on the paparazzi because there is very few things that make me angry and they are one of them. So we are just going to have an episode about how we feel about the paparazzi and... <laughs> Oh. I
2: think it'd be interesting to see sort of the progression of the paparazzi as to become what they are now known as, you know, starting in, I don't know what decade, but, you know, becoming now.
1: Well, going back and listening to the podcast Hollywood Crime Scene, they they made a really good point in talking about some of the older crimes that happened, because if someone famous died, it was like there was a an underground network that would tell the paparazzi where to go and what to do, and they could just Walk all over the crime scene. Take photos. Like, that's how you ended up with photos of, like, Marilyn Monroe. And it, it, it.
2: And this was in a time before information was, quote, leaked, you know, when these things could be done through technological means. They must have done this the old-fashioned way, you know. Actually talking in, to people? Uh, no. I was going to say in a basement with a bunch of car batteries and wires, but, you know, oh. your way sounds good, too.
1: Well, I actually like your way better.
2: I don't know. It is the paparazzi. We don't know what means they have at their disposal. <laughs> speculation, speculation, speculation. I have no hard evidence. You
1: see, guys, this is why we stay married. I tell him something one time, and he remembers it for the length of time I need him to remember it in.
2: This is a very useful skill for those gentlemen out there who are considering getting married or may already be married. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a separate podcast on that. <laughs> Item four.
1: <laughs> So the photographer claimed the photo would have been worth $1 million and he sued Jagger and the Viper Room. Mick settled out of court, but a jury later ruled against the club and awarded $600,000 in damages to the photographer. I'm going to have to dig more into that because that's an insane amount of money for taking someone's roll of film. Unless you have a picture of the, the second shooter in the grassy knoll... No one should be paid that much money for a picture.
2: I was gonna say that, or there's compromising photos of somebody that they didn't want getting out. I just that—that's astronomical, six hundred.
1: Wow. Yeah. And in 1996, rocker Tommy Lee of Motley Crue was convicted of battery after he pushed over a photographer, and that—that that guy's name was Henry Trappler, who tried to videotape he and his wife. Pamela Anderson Lee, outside the Viper Room on September 26, 1996. See, that's close to my birthday. It's three it days before. Close, yeah. Very close. Lee was fined and sentenced to a 20-month summary probation and 200 hours of community service. In a later incident 1998, he was sentenced to six mo- months in jail for kicking his wife. These instances of Viper Room are but only a few in a long list of Hollywood tragedies and scandals which have plagued the movie industry since its inception. That is what we call a copy-and-paste, kids. Inside off the sidewalk behind the club's windowless black facade, you used to find a tiny all-black room punctuated by green lights populated by a young, casually-dressed crowd. There were just five vinyl black booths, and you could only actually use one of four of them because it had a permanently reserved for Johnny Depp's agents and friends... And there's a bronze plaque on it that says, don't F with it. That's pretty forward. <laughs> so so it only had four. You can't really spin that one if you get caught sitting there. I mean, that's, yeah. that's on you. Yeah, well, if Johnny Depp shows up to any table that I'm sitting at, I'll be like, here you go, sir. You did an amazing job in Pirates of the Caribbean. Thank you. And I wish him happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but the Viper Room temporarily shut its doors over New Year's of 1995 for a makeover, and it reopened with a concert by Courtney Love. My God, that is one of the most ninety sentences I've said. By the way, I love Hole. You know how much I love Hole. I oh, yeah, they I, were great. And that were, album was were... huge. Yes. Wh-
2: which one was it? Uh... Live Through This. Live Through This. That was the one, yeah. Yeah.
1: To show off the club's new, completely different Art Deco interior design, the room is no longer a black hole. Now, the formerly black and white walls are a creamy white with cherry wood floors and a large bar downstairs. Attending the Courtney Love concert was... <laughs> the weirdest group of people, and none of them have been in my kitchen, it was Tom Hanks and his wife, Rita Wilson, Drew Barrymore, Rosanna Arquette, and Jennifer Aniston.
2: All I'm going to say is a couple of those people got lost going somewhere else and somehow <laughs> wound up at the Viper Room. I
1: Doesn't Rosanna Arquette have, like, three songs that were written about her? Yeah, Hall
2: & Oates. Yeah.
1: Rosanna.
2: I don't know if any others, but it's entirely possible.
1: Although most acts are unlisted acts, so... If you go to the Viper Room and the Red Hot Chili Peppers decide to show up, they're not going to be on the ticket. They're just going to show up and be like, hey, we're here. Let me play. And then they'll be like, obviously. Uh, Big names have been known to drop by unannounced and jam on stage. Uh, The Counting Crows, Oasis, when they're not punching each other in the face. And... (laughs) The Wallflowers, who are just happy I said their name out loud. Can like I just say
2: Oasis was just this... Uh, they really had it. I mean, they caught that wave of fame in that early 90s and then just imploded. I mean...
1: They were. They they oh, had they, the potential to be one like of the, the best They were like the Clash, yes. though. They were
2: to kill each other.
1: There was that great episode of Celebrity Deathmatch that... I can't remember who they were pitted against but it was Oasis and they ended up killing each other.
2: <laughs> yeah, I be- I thoroughly believe that would happen. I
1: just <sighs> Also, that's the most 90s sentence I've said in the last 30 seconds. And again, if
2: you are saying if you listen to music in the 90s and you say you did not enjoy that album, was it Champagne Supernova? Yes. You you are lying to yourself and the listeners and you need to think about your choices because that that was a great album. That was such a good album. Mm-hmm.
1: That that was a great or uh, what's what's this st- morning glory right? What's the story what's morning the story? glory? Yeah, that, I think that was the album. Yeah, Champagne Supernova was the song. What's the story morning glory? Was the, was the album, album right? Yeah, and Champagne Supernova is like an eight minute song, oh. and it's worth every minute of it. It was just so
2: good. It is just back to the nineties when you throw that one on. I mean,
1: so the Pussycat Dolls event in May of two thousand one had no doubts Gwen Stefani on stage, and here's some more. With <laughs> this is just the nineties, even though it's two thousand one. It was Cameron Diaz, Christina Aguilera, and Alicia Silverstone in the crowd. The night that Johnny Cash played at the club, the audience included Sean Penn, Tom Petty, Juliette Lewis, Dwight Yoakam, and Johnny Depp. Mick Fleetwood, from Fleetwood Mac, has been spotted there several times, and Christina Applegate tended to the bar one night. So, like, She worked as a bartender? I think it was just for one night. No, it's still, that's pretty cool. It's still pretty cool. But she was also there the night that River Phoenix died. When Joan Osborne played the club, Michael Keaton did the announcing. Also, Joan Osborne, man. One Hit Wonder. One Hit Wonder. Great song. Uh, was it if God, if God Was One of Us? If God Was yeah. One of Us. And she was rocking that nose ring. Oh, I remember so that video. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ellen DeGeneres and Anne Heche were caught smoking in the club while watching a June 1998 performance of the band Live. Remember Live? I loved Live.
2: Throwing <laughs> Copper is, a, again, if you say you don't like that album, lying to yourself and others. I'm sorry. There's no way <laughs> around I think you can stop saying that. I, I, you know. I'm, I stick to it. That was a fantastic album.
1: The members of Counting Crow and Rage Against the Machine were also in the audience for that show. Tom Arnold met his, I don't know if it's current wife, but he met his wife, Julie, there. In September of 1995, Bruce Springsteen dropped by for an impromptu concert. Oh, that is not
2: his current wife, by the way. Oh, it's not? He he did marry after that, yes. I think he
1: he got married, I think, three times. Okay. Yeah. Someone out there for everyone, kids. Okay. In March of 99, the Stone Temple Pilots performed together for the first time in two years to an audience that included Chris Rock and the members of Marilyn Manson's band. Wow. So
2: they'd taken a hiatus and then came back?
1: Yeah. And that's how they kind of came back.
2: I think it's when Scott was undergoing treatment, I believe.
1: Yeah. We'll get into that more. So... Not not this episode, but when we do our Stone Temple Pilots episode, definitely. Recently, Smashing Pumpkin singer Billy Corgan oh, wow. did a solo concert there, and I'm, I'm so sorry. I was trying to find a date on this article, but it it was it was clearly not done in the last two years because it was like pink and sparkly, and like some words that shouldn't have been the in articles? different color. Yeah, I'll show you the article later, but this is the one from Seeing Stars. I'm
2: sorry, I did not do the required reading for this yeah. uh, podcast.
1: Uh Yeah. So I was saying recently Smashing Pumpkins singer Billy Corgan did a solo concert there. John Mayer unexpectedly took the stage. I wonder if he told anybody. LA Times called the most consistently hip club in town. And going back to the actual venue, despite the death of River Phoenix, the year that the venue opened, the club had become and remained a hangout for Hollywood's most popular young act- actors, actresses and musicians. Regulars included Jennifer Anderson, Lisa Marie Presley, Jared Leto, Christina Applegate, Angelina Jolie, Rosario Dawson, Toby Maguire, Leonardo DiCaprio, Adam Duritz, which is the lead singer of Counting Cars, We just talked about that. Worked as a bartender. bartender yeah. yeah, in the in late 1994, early 1995, to escape his newfound fame. That seems counterproductive.
2: I was going to say, you're going where all the famous people are going. I don't think you're escaping the limelight.
1: Also, it's not like you're hiding in a booth. You're, like, serving them Mai Tais. I don't know.
2: And the paparazzi, it sounds like they pretty much lived there from 1993 until closing.
1: Yeah. Johnny Castor performed at the venue, which I would have literally done anything to have seen Debuting material that would later appear on his 1994 album, American Recordings. In 1997, the Viper Room was also the place of a few early solo live performances. Going back to what we were talking about, the Pussycat Dolls, they were there for six years from 1995 to 2001. Wow. Yeah. That's a long residency. Yeah. So in pop culture, it was in the 1983 film Valley Girl, the building, then a then housing the nightclub The Central. So this is almost a decade before it became the Viper Room, was used for scenes featuring the new wave band Film Soul. In the Oliver Stone film The Doors, the building was used as a filming location for scenes depicting the London fog. Also of West Hollywood, London fog was a lesser known nightclub halfway up the same block from Whiskey A Go Go, where The Doors had their first regular gigs for four months in early 1966. Huh. In the nineteen, sorry, in the two thousand three, Charlie's Angels full throttle, the Pink Panther dance scene was filmed at the club. I love Charlie's Angels. I'm so sorry that I've made you watch those movies. Like they're fun movies. I like fifteen to sixty times. No, they're enjoyable. <laughs> also, it doesn't hurt that it's like three really hot chicks, doesn't? Uh, that has never
2: been in question. I, I mean, I'm, everyone's is good. I mean, Bernie Mac was in it, and Bill Murray. Bill Murray was in it, and Justin Thoreau, Right? Yeah. So that the Sam the, Rockwell too, wasn't yeah, he Sam Rockwell,
1: who is I, I'm he's slowly becoming not that guy. He's slowly becoming Sam Rockwell, and I feel like three billboards pushed him over to because we know who he is when we see him. We go, oh, that's Sam Rockwell. He's amazing, but he's he's transformative. Okay, I would I say he's that. like right on the side of like Gary Oldman, and he was guy in Galaxy Quest, which is awesome. Yes. Oh man, that's such a good movie. Although the club was changed. The club's name was changed in the film to the treasure chest, Sassy. Hmm. Several scenes in the 2000 film that star John Travolta, Be Cool, were either set in or shot at the club, although only the exterior of the site was to be used in the shoot. The Viper Room was also featured in the 2004 documentary, Dig, where members of the band in the Brian Jonestown Massacre began brawling with each other, on stage while performing.
2: Wait, the band is called the Brian Jonestown Massacre?
1: Yes. I gotta give it to him. That is a very clever name. It is. As part of the settlement of the lawsuit involving the disappearance of Anthony Fox in 2001, Depp actually relinquished his ownership of the Viper Room. And we talked about that before he released it to Amanda Fox, which is Anthony's daughter. The club changed hands multiple times between 2004 and 2016, and the club is currently owned by uh, the Silver Creek Development, which they just handed over to the Sunset 8855. I think that's their name. That's on page one. I'm, I'm not going to go back to page one. And nine. they are the current owners, I'm guessing, of the property? Yeah. Okay. A couple of lawsuits that they had to go through. A nightclub located in Cincinnati, Ohio was formerly called the Viper Room. The club changed its name to the Poison Room on January 1st, 2006, after they were told by the West Hollywood Viper Room to stop using the name.
2: Well, wait,
1: I'm not a lawyer.
2: Okay, so how can a nightclub two two and a half thousand miles away of the same name? How can that be at all a problem? I, I don't. I don't understand that. And if we have any legal eagles out there listening to the show please let me know because personally i don't see how that could be a conflict i could see within the same city within the same state even but i think Ohio? it's a branding thing
1: it would be like it would be like me starting a business and calling it viacom you know it's it it's the viper room is a brand and it has certain things associated with it so i could kind of see on at the same time though
2: honestly are there people outside of california who and i'm not i i want to get an honest take on this who who know that location as the viper room in, in los angeles you know what i mean
1: yeah but there there have been there's a great cracked video about this that's still on okay I could see how it would be, it could possibly be a problem, though, because if something was associated with it negatively.
2: I mean, were bands making mistakes? Like, they'd show up in Cleveland, we're ready to go, and Johnny Depp's 3,000 miles away making angry phone calls? No, I mean, but
1: if something has a negative connotation to it, then it might have stained the Viper Room's name. I could I could kind of see both sides of it. Like, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, because aren't there like 15 Ray's Famous pizzas in New York? Yeah, probably. But... Also, I can see like not wanting to have someone else's reputation be reflected in your business model. Another Viper Room in Portland, Oregon has also been told to stop using the name under threat of trademark. See, there is a trademark lawsuit with former owner... Darren Feinstein claiming every dollar they make is as a result of using our name. So there you go. Additionally, there is a legal brothel in Brisbane, Australia called the Viper Room. There's also a nightclub in Stockholm, Sweden, as well as one in Hargate, UK, Vienna, Australia, and another in Sheffield, UK, similarly named. Until February 2009, there was a nightclub with the same name in Melbourne, Australia. It was closed down due to a spat of violent instances that included two shootings, as well as the license breach and the arrest of the co-owner on drug charges. On April sixteenth, two 2011, a nightclub named The Viper Room opened its doors in the city of... Oh, my goodness. There's a city in the Netherlands. It's hard to say. The club is named after the club in Hollywood and is decorated in the same style as the American club. In 2016, Mm. The Viper Room began issuing cease and desist notices to bootleg merchandise sellers on eBay and other online storefronts. So, in pop culture, it has been featured on season 14... Of the paranormal series, Ghost Adventures, is one of their lockdown locations where they investigated the building for two days.
2: They did like a ghost investigation?
1: Yeah, and that's a subject that's very close to my heart, as you know. I sure do. Um, Actually, Will was alone for four days as I went and played in Kentucky and went to Waverly Hills Sanatorium and Bobby Mackey's Music World, so... Both have been featured on Ghost Adventures as well. The episode categorized in detail the death of actor River Phoenix, believing that they came in contact with his spirit, and shows video evidence and EVP. They also captured a guitar playing by itself on stage, believing it to be the spirit of former owner Anthony Vivian Fox, a singer that has been missing. And see, it's funny they call him a singer in this article, but... Nowhere else does it cite him as a singer, but he was the partial owner of the club, who has been missing since December 19th, 2001. Funhouse cast member and producer Adam Kovic once mentioned during their movie podcast that he vomited outside the establishment with much similarity to River Phoenix's situation. However, unlike Phoenix, Adam mentions that he survives, which would be weird if he didn't survive but was still doing a podcast. Also but I don't know about making that statement. that's a little weird <laughs> it yeah, so that's sort of a brief overview of the viper room i I want to have a place in my heart that says that whoever is in charge of this project will see its potential and let it continue being a light on the sunset strip, a beacon for people who want to go listen to live music and kick back and have an adult beverage but I have a feeling that it probably is going to lose this battle and we will be saying goodbye to the viper room now I did read somewhere I don't know if I've mentioned this already I did read somewhere that they were like well maybe we can open it up inside the hotel but it's not going to be the viper room it's going to be a mock-up it's gonna be four walls with the name Viper Room. It's, it's gonna be an
2: homage, I think.
1: Yeah. It's gonna be there like, oh, you want the Viper Room there? Okay, well here's a club called the Viper Room, but it's not going to be the same. And it's in a hotel, I mean. Yeah. I I'm I am against this, but you know, there's not there's not a lot that one person can do but together maybe we can change.
2: Well, I know we hear a lot about the celebrity stories at the Viper Room, and there's actually more of them than I first knew going into this podcast. So credit to the research there. I'd love to get some of the more personal stories. You and I both have experiences there. You know, I'm sure the share of people who live in Los Angeles or maybe have come to Los Angeles to go to that venue have probably some personal stories, too. Um, We'd like to like to hear those.
1: Yeah. And I mean, bands got their start there iconic bands have played there serious pop culture milestones have happened there it it's going to be missed it's going to be it's really going to be a missed venue so i don't get very sentimental over a whole lot of things but history is one of the things that i hold very close to my heart and i hate to see anything with a lick of history go and i know it's making room for progress but If we forget where we came from, we won't know where we're going. And one
2: could argue that another luxury hotel in that part of the Sunset Strip isn't necessarily progress. It's a lateral movement.
1: Yeah. We don't – honestly, we don't need another luxury hotel. We don't need more high-end housing. And really, they're trying to think of who would stay
2: there. It's not – Great access to much of anything. Think about it. Getting to the airport's a nightmare. Going to any of the major movie studios is a challenge. Yeah,
1: because it is. It's not a very. It is far. It is far <laughs> up the Sunset Strip.
2: And any of you who've driven the Sunset Strip, no, it's not easy to get from point A to point B. It's,
1: it's very congested. It's extremely congested. Yeah. So I'm wondering who's who's staying at these hotels. I don't know. It's... Fancy billionaires who are playing in poker tournaments with the Olsen twins.
2: That's got to be it, because I
1: got kicked out of the Viper Room. They can't go there anymore. Well, that's uh, the episode, guys. I know it was a little bit different than what you're used to. Of course, we had our fill-in host, Mr. William Hickey. Thank you for that, by the way. You can follow him on Twitter at...
2: Uh, William V. Hickey.
1: <laughs> I don't have a very kitschy
2: Twitter name. It's just just kind of me. And, so.
1: and you spell that H-S-E-K-E-Y? like go ahead. M- yeah. M-O-U-S-E. So you can find him on Twitter. You can find us if you feel like you want to support the show, which we appreciate our patrons so far. Thank you guys so, so much. We do still have a couple slots left for the Patreon episodes. So if you get in at the $5 level, you can uh, pick a topic for the show. You'll send in three of your choices, and we will pick from one of those, and either me or TJ will cover that episode so if you want to find our patreon it's at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven you can reach us on twitter at rock and roll heaven lt our facebook is rock and roll heaven pod the instagram rock and roll heaven lt i'm still not going to stay our website <laughs> <laughs> but you can email us at rock and roll heaven lt at gmail.com and if you guys could please head over to itunes and leave a rating. And a review it would help us out very much. We are holding on to our contest that we're having. So if you leave us the best review, you will get to pick whatever episode is your favorite so far. And we will send you a copy of our show notes. And I think that about sums everything up again. Mr. William Hickey, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Rock I know, and roll, Daddy-O's. I know I forced you to do this, so thank you. You did mm-hmm. an it was excellent job. a lot of fun. Job. I appreciate it. <laughs> and you guys keep rocking in the free world. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye-bye.
3: He met a girl out there with a tattoo, too The future was wide open They'd moved into a place they both could afford He found a nightclub he could work at the door let said it always played from the heart He got an agent and a roadie named Bart They made a record and it went in the charts The sky was the limit His leather jacket had chains that would jingle they both met movie stars, partied and mingled. Mary and R man said, I don't hear a single. The future was wild.